What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's Word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org. My name is Miguel Warren, and I'm one of the pastors, and it's an honor and privilege to be before you. I just need to make this disclaimer really quick um, just to get this out the air. I'm not wearing orange because of the Broncos, so let's just make that very clear, okay? Um, it's the, the fall season festivities. Um, if you don't know, um, I'm from Kansas City, so um, it is, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do that. See, we, we about to talk about division. We're going to have peace even though we divide it now. Um, but no, I say that kiddingly. It is a joy to be before you. Um, and what I'll do is I will pray for us, and I encourage you to pray for us as well. And we will stand before, we will sit at the feet of God to hear what he has to say about us, or excuse me, say to us in regards to peace in a divided world. So let's just take a moment to calm our hearts, to refocus to know that God is here. To know that we can receive the invitation when he tells us to come, those who are weary. God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. So Father, as we come and gather today, we come with much in our bags. We have things in our bags that's weighing us down, that's hard to carry. But I pray we give that back to you. We rest it at your feet. We sit to know that we can have a rest for our souls as we come into your presence. So God, I'm praying and asking for a greater awareness of your presence right now. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Open our hearts and our minds to hear and see the wonderful things of your word. To know that you are a God that meets us right where we're at. And I pray that our hearts will be open to receive that. So whatever may be blocking our hearts, whatever may keep us from experiencing you today, God, I pray that you tear it down. Tear it down by your power and your might. Help us, Father, to see through this theme of Advent how we talk about peace in a divided world. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we all together as one church said, amen. So we're kicking off our Advent season. And Advent is a time where we look to Jesus as the one who took on flesh in this weary, divided world. He took on flesh to secure the promise for a better future. And hear me now, get this, the future where the disillusioned can have hope, where the divided can find peace, where the suffering can experience joy, and where the self-centered can find true love. I love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says when it comes to Advent. He says, to, a celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul. 
who know themselves as poor, poor in spirit, who needs the Savior, one who is imperfect and who looks forward to something greater to come. To kick off our Advent season, we will spend today time on the topic of peace in a divided world. Excuse me, peace for a divided world. Peace for a divided world. And really, when you think about divide, when you think about division, it is a separation. That is something that is together and it has been separated. And when it's separated, there is tension and there's hostility. Because something broke in that was meant to be one and now it's no longer together. We see that this world is divided because sin broke in as we look at Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve entertained the thoughts of the enemy and therefore disobeyed. And the division, what, that what was whole, that was harmony, that what was flourishing, therefore then became divided through the disobedience there. And it divided the relationship between God and humanity, but not only God and humanity, but also with one another as well. Because what we see is that they hid themselves from God. And then in the midst of hiding themselves, Adam and Eve were in division because they started to blame one another on what just happened. And then we see that Cain, as they have kids, Cain kills Abel. And then the book goes on where division continues to take place. And oppression happens, brokenness, pain enters our world. Here's the thing. The divided world, it produces pain, brokenness, oppression, divisions. And people experience it daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And I don't know where you find yourself in the midst of that, but if we all keep living long enough, we've experienced some of that. Essentially, there's hostility in this world. There's turmoil that shows itself in pain and brokenness. And let me just be clear about this. The turmoil is an equal opportunity. What do I mean? Pain, brokenness, the division in this world that comes with it, it reaches the gated communities all the way down to the projects. It reaches from the boardroom to the classroom. Hear me, it does not discriminate. So regardless of where you fall on the scale, hear me, if you have breath in your body, as long as you live in, you will, if you haven't already experienced division. And when I say division, I'm talking about the brokenness that comes within that turmoil. You've experienced some pain. You've experienced brokenness. You've experienced, maybe some has experienced oppression in different forms. It does not discriminate. Just keep living. As I was once told. Because life has a way of catching up to us. Now, here's the thing. Even in the midst of this divided world, we know that Jesus came. And the good news is he came to meet us 
in that space. And not only did he come to meet us in that space, but he comes to bring shalom, peace. Now, chaos, turmoil, the division in this world, the divided world, it exists because we're in a fallen world. And understand that it is, has spiritual implications, that which is on earth. So what we experience here, everything that is physical is preceded by that which is spiritual. And so nothing stands alone here. But because the world has fallen, get this, we experience the chaos, the turmoil in two buckets. One, because life happens. Sin broke in and life happens. The other one is because sometimes it's self-inflicted. We tend to disobey God. We tend to remove ourselves from his authority because we decide to go on our paths here. So sometimes the chaos, the division that we have is really because of our self-inflicted wound and because life happens too. Let me ask you this question. What, do you, what is your peace? What is your peace? Where do you run for where do you run to for peace? Where do you run to find rest, to, to be stable, to be comfort? Because hear me, whether you are a believer or not, every human being wants to experience peace. So let's not act like peace is just some concept that's only for believers. What do you run to for your safety, for your comfort? to escape the turmoils, to escape the pain, the brokenness that is in this world. Here's my purpose for preaching this today, that although we live in the midst of a divided world, hmm, Jesus came to meet us in that space and to bring shalom, to repair and restore what has been ripped apart. To really boil down to two simple Hebrew words, we will spend our time really talking about Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. Lord is peace. Now, to lay some groundwork for us, I want to talk about what peace is not. We're going to talk about what peace is. But what peace is not? Because I believe that oftentimes we have a misconception of what really peace is. And I believe through this topic that God is going to clarify for us what peace is, at least get us a little bit closer. Peace is not happiness alone. Because happiness happens, it's dependent upon something that happens. So happiness alone by itself is not peace. Being calm when everything else is calm in all of its entirety is not peace. There's an element of that. It's easy to be calm when everything else is calm. Here's one. Your truth is not your peace. We live in a world where we say that my truth is facts. And get this, not only in the world, but even in the church, when people try to correct us in love and speak truth in us, we say that my truth is my truth. Hear me, your truth is not peace. The only way your truth is peace 
is if your truth is God's truth. Not your own. Not what you think. Not what your culture, not what your background tells you. Only God's truth is peace. Peace is not a destination. It's not money. It's not prestige. It's not fame. It's not comfort. It's not relationships of any kind. It's not ourselves. I think it's important for us to understand that. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. Here's the thing. What you worship is the source of your peace. What sits on the thrones of your heart, what you run to consistently, is your peace. And here's the reality, just to make it simple, there's two buckets. Either God is your peace, Jehovah Shalom, or the world. Now hear me, here's the thing. The things of the world, the things of this world are not inherently in themselves bad, okay? God has created good gifts for us to experience here on earth until the new heaven and new earth is established. The, 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 the things of this world in themselves is not bad. However, what makes them an idol is when it supersedes that of God. When you take the things of this world, the creation and the things that God created and place them in a place on the throne of your heart where God belongs, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. That's where we think because if I got enough money, if I get the status and you fill in the blank, therefore the situation will change. The world in itself cannot sustain you. It's important to understand that when you, whatever the source is, whatever you worship is the source of your peace. If it's not God, it becomes detrimental. Why? Because you're depending upon it for your provision, for satisfaction, and for direction. And hear me, that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants you to look at other things other than God for peace, for provision, for direction, for comfort. And he's crafty at it. Now, what is peace? What is shalom? Well, shalom means completeness. Welfare, rest, deliverance, peace. It is an external and internal. It applies externally and internally. It brings two entities together, that which is external, but also it gives you a resolve, a calmness, a at ease in your soul eternally. As Cornelius Plantiga Jr. says, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, delight, a rich state affair in which natural needs satisfy or satisfied and natural gifts faithfully employed a state of affair that inspires joyful wonder as the creator and savior open doors and speaks welcome to the creatures in whom he delights 
Shalom, in other words, as he ends, says, is the way things ought to be. I want to ask you a question again. What do you run to for peace? One of the hardest things to do as believers is to examine ourselves. We do not like to hold up the mirror and see what truly is in our lives because we might not like what we see. When you take an inventory of your life, when turmoil strikes, brokenness, pain, division, oppression, when it hits, what do you run to? Because here's this, we're made to be in shalom. We were created for that with God. And so there is a void that's in us that when we experience that, we run to something. But because of the brokenness, Because of the divisiveness in this world, it hinders us. It guides us. We get a little taste of whatever it is we want to see. Whatever it is that gives us that hit of comfort. Just to ease the pain just a little bit. If I could just take my mind off of this. What do you run to? Here's the thing. God is our peace, Jehovah Shalom, and we cannot have peace apart from God. And and hear me, this is eternal. It starts with our faith. It starts with a confession in who Jesus is and what he has done, his death on the cross, his resurrection, believing in him. Romans 5.1 tells us, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God. You hear that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? We're justified by faith, and therefore we have peace with God. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But we, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Shalom, Jehovah Shalom cannot be experienced if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. If there has not been a confession of faith, an acknowledgement that I am poor in spirit, that I cannot save myself in desperate need of a Savior. If you confess that and believe that, To know what Jesus Christ has done for you. Dying that death on a cross, knowing it should have been you and I. When you confess that, God takes you because of your faith from the dominion of darkness into the marvelous light. And so now we have an eternal peace. We have a reconciliation with God. We have the already not yet because we're still on this earth. We have the propensity and we do still sin. However, because of Christ, because of Christ, we can approach the throne of grace boldly because of what he has done, because the blood of Christ drapes all over us and God sees us and therefore we are declared righteous, not because of ourselves. So understand in order to experience, in order to have Jehovah Shalom, there's a faith that comes with that. It does not stand alone. Now, we get into Judges chapter 6. 
Judges chapter 6. What we have here is God meets Gideon. But what's happening up until this point, Joshua was leading the people of God in the previous book, right before Judges. Joshua is leading the Israelites, God's people, into the promised land. And now that they're in the promised land, the book of Judges actually repeats itself with sin, punishment, repentance, and deliverance. Sin, repentance, punishment, sin, deliverance. That happens because the people of God, although they are in the promised land, actually forsakes God. Remember what I said, life happens in itself and also some of self-inflicted wounds. And really what you find yourself in where we're getting in what was read today, where the Israelites, they're experiencing the pain, the hostility, the oppression from the Midianites. Here's what's very fascinating I want us to get. God led the people to the promised land. They're in the promised land, but get this, the promised land... Although the people of God are in the promised land, they still experience a divided world. They experience hostility, pain, brokenness. There is a misconception that I believe that we feel that whatever, whenever we reach our promised land, wherever God has promised us and guide us, we think because he led us there, it will be free of turmoil. We think that there won't be any issues. When he's led you to the job that you said he got you to, when he led you to the city that you felt he led uh, to Denver, you're like, it's going to be great. And some of it is. Whatever the promised land is that God has led you, hear me. Do not think it is void of turmoil. Because we think that we've arrived to a certain destination, and that's not true. We think our peace is good because we've arrived where God has told us. But understand this, Jehovah Shalom meets us in the midst. And what we're going to see here is where Jehovah Shalom, God meets Gideon in the midst of his personal, his familiar, his national conflict, and the turmoil that is taking place. And just as God met Gideon there, he can meet us too. Okay? What you see in Joseph chapter 6 verse 11, it says Gideon... And I'll read it for you. It says, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. Huh. Gideon is hiding. Here's what's fascinating. To beat out wheat, to hide the food that he has, you don't do it in a wine press. There was actually a place where you could go and sit a court to where they can beat the wheat and put it there. But yet he's hiding it because of the oppression, because of the brokenness, because of the divisiveness that he's experiencing. And what's fascinating here and what this lets us know is that wherever you may hide, wherever you may run to, get this. This is not a shameful thing. God can meet you right where you're at. So wherever you hide, wherever you run to, whatever you go to, because you're experiencing, because you don't like what you're experiencing, hear me, that's a natural thing. 
God can meet you right where you're at. And notice when he arrived to Gideon, he didn't shame Gideon for hiding. He didn't say, why are you hiding? What are you doing? No, in fact, Jehovah Shalom speaks life to Gideon. As you keep reading in verses 12 through 16, Gideon has doubts. He asks God, hey, where pretty much why is this happening? And even in the midst of that, what's so powerful is that God calls him a name. Even in the midst of his pain, even before he goes to battle, he says he calls a mighty man of valor. He ain't picked up a sword or nothing yet. And oftentimes, hear me, God speaks life and gives us our identity even well before we get out of the pain. Sometimes, here's why, sometimes, have you ever, have you ever moved a little bit different when someone spoke some life to you? When they gave you a little bit of wind beneath your wings because they saw something you didn't see? Because you was down and trodden and you couldn't get past what was before you, but yet God sends someone to speak life to you. To give you a certain peace, to help you move in such a way that you wouldn't move otherwise. But here's what's interesting. As God met Gideon in that space, he called him mighty man of valor. Gideon still had doubts. He had doubts. Because what God told him what he's going to do, Gideon says, look, my family's weak. And I'm really the least among my family. It is okay in the midst of a divided world, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions at times. God does not punish us for those things. But here's the beautiful thing that even, I believe is that God chose, Gideon was able to experience a peace from God because Gideon was humble. He realized that he was weak. And understand that the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that where we're weak, his power is made perfect. So being weak, being broken, having downfalls is not a bad thing. Because God can still meet us and give us peace in that space. And what God tells him, he says, I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. I will deliver them. And in the response of that, what Gideon does is build that altar. And he says the altar's name, Jehovah Shalom. Lord is peace. Because he experienced the presence of God right where he's at. Hear me. His situation didn't change. His circumstance didn't change. Gideon had doubts. He had questions. But what changed was his perspective. He realized there was a presence with him that was much more powerful than what was before him. And that was Jehovah Shalom. Hear me. Peace is not tied to circumstances. It's not tied to circumstances. A person who is at peace is stable where there is struggle. Who is calm when it's, where there's chaos. Who can rest within, not because of the circumstance of peace, not because saying this is subjective, but because there is a reliance mm, on God's presence. There's a reliance 
on God's power and his presence. And those who trust in him, get this, those who trust in God, they find comfort and calm in the midst of storms, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of battles. And I think it's important, I want to say this again, it does not mean that there can't be legitimate concerns. It does not mean that you cannot work, that have legitimate doubts. I'm not saying that. When your world get rocked upside down and you get news about a family member who has to get rushed somewhere, it, it, it messes with you. You're laboring to pray and pray that God heals because you know his word. I'm not saying there's not doubts. Don't hear me say that now. Concerns are legitimate. Doubts are legitimate. What it is is that you aren't allowed, you're not allowing the fear of the doubt, the fear of the concern to control you. It doesn't control you. You aren't controlled by it. See, actually, peace is the reversal of fear. See, peace gives you a way to give you a new perspective. It encourages you in a different way. See, it gives you hope. It builds a certain confidence in you. You have a new, newfound courage about you. You walk a little bit different. You speak a little bit different. All the while, nothing around you has changed. But what has changed is holding fast to the power and presence of God. Now, God's presence is key for our peace. Okay? So the question becomes, how do we experience his presence? God's presence is key for peace. How do we experience his presence? Well, hmm. Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this, gives us an insight, gives us a little secret ingredients on how to do this. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it simply reads as this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For, the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set, here it is, the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What do we know here? The key to experience God's presence is shifting of our mind, is a transformation of our mind. What are we occupied with the most? What is your mind on? If your mind is on the things of the flesh, meaning the things of the world, if you're thinking that I'm going to run and go and move how I want according to this word, or is it set on the spirit, which gives life and gives peace? And what it mean, what I mean by set on, your mind set on the flesh it is to continually think about. It is consistently desire the things of the world that has fallen, of the human sinful nature. It thinks just the way that the world thinks. It emphasizes, get this, what's important, what you want to pursue, how I want to do it. You disregard God's outcome because you say, I'm going to go about it this way. I'm going in the Chipotle line and I'm making my order how I want it. I don't care what you told me to do, God. Hear me, we chuckle, but we do that because when life hits us, it's, it's, we want to do that. We want to hold to things. We want to rid ourselves of that. And to have your mind set on the flesh is really to, as it says that it is, uh, um, 
It's death. And what death is, is separation from God. Because you're carnal. You're saying, I'm thinking the way that the world thinks. I don't care what God says. I don't care what he put in, my, in this word. I don't care about his provision. Hey, I'm going to do what I want, how I want it, the way I want it. I know this better than God does. We tell ourselves that. Our lives show ourselves that. But to have your mind on the spirit, it is a realignment under God's truth, under God's way. It is an acknowledgement that life and peace is found here. It is a willful submission to know that he knows what is best, better than I do. It is, a, it is a way to let go and not hold fast to what your desired outcome is regarding this situation. Because your mind is set on the spirit. There is no peace when a mind is set on the flesh. There is no peace. There is perceived peace. There is temporary peace. Momentary peace. See, the world peace is like candy. It tastes good for a moment, but it has no substance. It doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't give you the proper nutrients to carry forth. And so when we have our mindset on the world, it's like eating a bunch of candy to satisfy us for nutrients. And the truth is, that doesn't happen. But the mindset on the spirit, hmm. That's a four-course meal. That's a balanced nutrition. Get this. Even if we don't like what it tastes like, but we know it's good for us. Isaiah 26 tells us, how do we have experience the presence? Again, it's how we think. What is our mind on? What are we occupied with? Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hmm. A mind stayed on Jehovah Shalom because we know that death will be swallowed up. There will be no more tears as Isaiah 25, 8 talks about, which is also speaks to Revelation 21. See, truth is Yahweh. Truth is Jehovah Shalom. The mind is stayed on him. The mind is stayed on Jehovah Shalom. And not only is it stayed on him, but it trusts in him. Our thoughts derail and disrupts our peace. We're human. It's like riding a bike. You ever seen a kid ride a bike or you ever seen someone do something and they get excited right when they're riding and they're like, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And all of a sudden they get a little bit too confident and they start to wobble and then they crash. And that's the same way with us. We get a little taste of Jehovah Shalom. We think, all right, I got a little bit of Jehovah Shalom for one month, two months. And so we get a little cocky. We get a little full of ourselves. We think we got the blueprint figured out. And so we remove ourselves from the thought of God. And now we start to think according to the world, according to our ways. Because we're human. And get this, we need to be reminded of his peace. We need to be reminded of his presence. We need to be reminded that we have to realign our truth. We realign our thoughts to his truth, to his ways, because we as human beings, it will disrupt us from his peace. And sometimes, let's just be honest, life will hit us and disrupt us from his peace. But you get realigned when you spend time praying. When you spend time in his word, because his word is living and active, his presence. You get realigned because you're in communal with other people. 
You're in, you're in, you're in life with other people. I thank God for the brothers and sisters I have in my life. Because there is moments, get this, newsflash, I will go off the rails and be all up in my mind. I don't know about you, and I'm just preaching to myself for a moment, but you're more than welcome to join me. When I stay in my mind, I get off the rails. I'm gone. I create narratives. I create certain outcomes. I get tied to certain things, and it affects me, and I get stressed, and I get irritated, and then it affects the people that I'm around. I'm short. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I become self-centered because my mind is so consumed about the circumstances because I can't stand actually what I'm in because I really want to get out of it. But I thank God that there's some brothers and sisters that says, hey, Miguel, mm, hope I don't cry. They told me, they said, you cannot allow the situation to control how you respond. You're giving too much power to the world. You're giving too much power to that person, to the circumstance. God is your peace. Not people. People will fail you. As much as I care for you, I will fail you. I'm human. As much as we live in communal with people, we will fail each other because we're broken. But we don't have to stay there, though. Because even in the midst of brokenness, those broken brothers and sisters that help me and realign my thought to help me realize, hey, God is your peace, bro. You need to change the way that you're moving. And get this. It was the most life-giving thing that they told me. Nothing changed at all. Dirty dishes in front of me, life still going, kids running amok. Nothing changed, but my perspective changed. So I walk a little bit different. I talk a little bit different. I act a little bit different. So when people ask you, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. Not in a cliche way. Not in a cliche way. Hey, how you doing? Did that situation get better? No. Well, how, how you handling that? Oh, well, shh, trusting in the Lord. That ain't rhetoric. That's real life. I'm trusting the Lord. Because he gives me a peace like no other. He gives me a peace like no other. You know why? Because Hebrews 13 tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He tells us that no matter what happened, people may change. People may, circumstance may change. But get this, God won't change. Jehovah Shalom don't change. Jehovah Shalom is ever present and available for us. If we're willing to reorient our minds in the midst of that, what do you run to for peace? Peace is not tied to a circumstance. It's not tied to a certain outcome. It helps you in the midst of your storm, the divide in this world, the brokenness. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 14, where he says in verse 27, Jesus knew that his disciples and even the followers to come, us today, present day, and those present in that time and in the future, that they will face challenges, dangers. But you know what he tells them? He says, peace I leave you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Why? Because in the, in the discourse, and I encourage you to read it, in the farewell discourse, John, in the Gospel of John, verse chapter 13 through 16, why did he say not be fearful? 
Because he jumps over, if you jump over to John chapter 6, verse 33, he sits over there and tells his disciples and his people, I've spoken these things to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. There will be problems. But take courage. I have overcome the world. How do you take courage? You're at well with life because he has overcome the world. He has. First John chapter 5. Hear me. I want you to get this. First John chapter 5 verse 3. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That's key. What God calls you to do when you reorient yourself and you submit to his way, his purpose, his ordinance, his kingdom, they're not burdensome. Verse 4, it says this, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Hmm. And this is victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith has overcome the world. Our faith is tied to Jesus. Jesus has overcome the world, not you. So we're overcomers because of him. We cultivate peace. You have to cultivate peace. You can't just sit and waddle in your minds. And hear me, it's hard. Pain is hard. It hurts. Brokenness is not a a tasteable thing. Turmoil is not good. I'm no fool. So you got to cultivate the peace of Christ. Because when you do, you have a composure That is like no other because even when it's all falling apart around you, you're holding fast to God. You can go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 where it says, And do not be anxious for nothing, but by prayer through supplication with thanksgiving, my God. There's something to be thankful for even in the midst of chaos. You got to fight for it, but there's something to be thankful for. But he says, as I keep going on. Through prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. Mm. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9. In the midst, you have the Israelites that are about to experience the Assyrians' invasion again. And yet they are prophesied, they're told that they are to hold and fast and wait for the one who is to come. And in Isaiah chapter 9, and it says, for to us a child was born. To us a son was given. Government is on his shoulders. We call him wonderful counsel, mighty God, everlasting father. Get this, prince of peace. In verse 7a even goes on and says, and the increase of the government. Mm, And the peace of will have no end. The peace of will have no end. What am I getting at here? The government, the established, the just, the rule, the reign that God has. Get this. It will be established and there will be no end to it. The government and the peace, the way that he rules, his justice, his righteousness, they go hand in hand. They extend to every age and they're perpetual. They do not have an end to them. Daniel repeated this prophecy about the Christ kingdom coming. Gabriel talked to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and talked about how the kingdom, how the Christ kingdom will have no end. But understand, to us, to us, meaning a divine gift came, a divine gift of grace came to sinners like you and I. Came to us. Jehovah Shalom, Jesus, embodiment, God in flesh, the embodiment of Jehovah Shalom, Prince of Shalom comes. 
to a place and gets laid in an animal feeding plate. To us, the sun goes and lives a perfect light and goes, hangs on a raggedy old rugged cross because it loves you and I far than what we can understand. For to us, Jehovah Shalom hung on that cross and in the midst of that showed compassion and said, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the midst of chaos, when you have Jehovah Shalom, you can show compassionate to people. Surely if he hung on a cross, surely we can endure a 30-minute conversation. Sure, we can look with people with dignity and value. Not because we all that, but because he hung on the cross. And we embody it because he says, blessed are the peacemakers, as it says in Matthew. We embody the peacemaker. We embody and promote Jehovah Shalom for the being of our personal life, but also for communal. We hold fast to him because we demonstrate his rule and his reign here on earth. We become change agents. Even if the situation around us is a hot mess. But we become a peacemaker because we are aligned with his will. Our mind is set on him and we care more about what he says than what the world says or what we even says or what your friend says. Can I just be honest with you real quick as I get ready to take my seat? If, if people are not pointing you to Christ in the midst of the divided world, you might want to reevaluate that friendship. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. I, when they're non-believers, you kind of got to expect that, right? They don't see the things how we do. But for believers, we'd be dare foolish to sit here and then try to empower our other brothers and sisters to be disobedient to God. A house divided will fall. But we are overcomers because of what Christ has done. May we put on the full armor of God because it all says in Ephesians chapter 6 that you have the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Meaning that it, is, it, it becomes the shoes, as it says, with the armor of God. And it keeps you grounded in times of trouble and chaos. And I leave you with this. All who are filled with fear, anxiety, doubt, stress, uncertainty, get this, can trust. That Jehovah Shalom cares. He cares. He cares for you and will never leave you. Why? Not because I say. Because 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 tells us now, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all time, every day. May we be people that call on Jehovah Shalom reorient the way we think, set our minds on the flesh. Because when you do, hear me, family, now you become rooted in the midst of chaos. You take on the mindset of God and now you live differently, you look differently, you talk differently. Because your peace is in him, not in this world. May we be a church that has its mind set on the spirit that gives life and peace versus the flesh 
which caused death and separation, which equals no peace. Let us pray. God, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done. So grateful for Jehovah Shalom. And God, I'm not remiss that that is hard to grab sometimes because life has its pressures. The world is broken. There is evil in it. There's pain. There's oppression in different forms. So God, help us fight for Jehovah Shalom. Help us hold fast to you. Surround my brothers and sisters. Surround myself and each one of us with brothers and sisters that can point us, that can help us realign our life, realign our thinking to your ways. May we take great comfort that we don't have to do it alone because where we're weak, your power is strong. And you didn't call us to be in community by ourselves, but with one another. Where we have doubt, where we have unbelief, help our unbelief. by your power and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.